Hello and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. I hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button interview with Chris Billingham, founder of Muscle Squad, coming up momentarily. But first, a big thank you to the sponsors, chief sponsors, supported the podcast for three years now. Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, Jason Briggs and his fine team. Specialists in home entertainment systems and installations as well. Check out their fantastic a website online, social media through Serena V, or go into the beautiful store in the courtyard in Montpellier here in Cheltenham, the uh, picturesque town in the west of England, if we do say so ourselves. So Jason Briggs and his fine team will sort you out. Thank you also to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast, food-based supplement company that we've been taking their supplements as a family for 20-plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who's appeared on the podcast uh, recently. If you would like to share our discounts associated with the podcast, and thank you to Cytoplan for that, it's 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, and the code is DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. If you're looking for a pair of shoes, remember we are united with historic heritage brand of Herring Shoes started by Richard Herring in 1966. And they're beautiful handmade and fantastic shoes that you can uh, share a 10% discount with. Thanks uh, to Chris and his team at Herring Shoes. If you go to herringshoes.co.uk and they do ship globally, by the way, you can get a discount with the code TED10, T-E-D, all capital letters, and the numerals one zero. If you're curious about the idea of recording a loved one's life story, their anecdotes, their memories, their world in their voice from start to finish, then you may be intrigued by the idea of atticboxaudio.co.uk, a project started in lockdown, which involves uh, my wife and I, but me sitting down with members of the public just to talk about their life story. So that's atticboxaudio.co.uk. You can get there via drapermedia.co.uk. Remember the free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey, the Whole Man Academy available via the link in the show notes as well but now on to the podcast great story of a self-made man chris billingham left school at the age of 16 and has uh, created the business in muscle squad that soared in lockdown but has sustained since as well with home gym equipment specifically or mostly weights but here he is uh, to tell it in his own words the one and only chris billingham <laughs> Chris Billingham, welcome to the podcast, Sport and Life. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you for, for joining us, joining us from your fantastic home gym as well. I mean, that's very practical for you, but I guess it it sort of, uh, it walks the walk of, of Muscle Squad as well, because we were joking before that if you're a member of a big chain gym, it might not fit the, the ethos of the business. Yeah, I, you know, there, there's been a big move into home gym over the last couple of years. Obviously, during the pandemic and, and, and COVID itself, when the gyms went into lockdown, um, but more so just with the with the greater sort of working from home movement as well. Mm. And, we, and we were talking just before about, you know, we live out in the sticks. So our nearest gym is probably 15 minute drive away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a half it's a half hour round trip, throw in an hour and 10 minutes for a session. It's nearly two hours out. Um, and as you can imagine, quite a quite a busy guy. Yes, uh, and and a little girl as well who was born, literally two weeks before the pandemic. Wow. Um, 
this is this is the best solution. We can either get in here before she wakes up, or we can get in here once she goes to bed and um, make the most of sort of having a good session without you know having to do the commute. What what was that like? We'll get back to the fitness, but just having a, a baby just before the pandemic must have been particularly <laughs> isolating. Was the apt, the apt word? But with, it's it's like a kind of tidal wave that hits you anyway when you you have your first baby. So that must have been extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Back then, so you know, when the, uh, Muscle Squad was almost just a little side project back then, it wasn't taking up too time. Um, I had a job working in London where I sort of did strategy work um, yeah. for a few days a week, looking at e-commerce businesses. And everything was just nice and calm. Like and then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pregnancy for, for Steph was really good. Like she was training, uh, um, training right up to the day. So we were booked in for when Elsie was wow. going to arrive because of, of medical bits and pieces. Uh, so we knew what was going on. There was no surprises. Uh, and, and the Saturday morning, we both did our last hit class, I suppose you could say. Mm. Um, you know, Steph, nine months pregnant, me about to be a dad and you know, everyone saw us out of that class gave us a clap and said see you the other side um <laughs> you know, generally speaking everything kind of went to plan um yeah. uh, but it was just you know it, it was at that time where covid was just a little bit of noise in in china and, and, mm. and nothing more severe than that um and we, and we you know we 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 had we had elsie we bought our home and then literally a week later the, the lockdowns all started um and and that was that was kind of hard really in mm. at that stage because the support network that you normally get from sort of the nhs and um yeah. started to sort of started to fall away a, a little bit you know not nothing nothing too severe but um healthcare visits and just being able to pop in for help and advice and all that sort of stuff that that kind of that network started to slow down um and, and then, you know, we had that sort of period where, you know, the lockdowns were occurring, but we were still being able to sort of mingle with, with friends and family. Um, and then they started to try and, you know, the, the, that network started to close down as well. And I think that was the, that was, that was the harder time. You know, it, it, children are only young for a, a short period of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I look back and just feel like there was people that probably missed out on, on, on seeing her as much as mm. they could have seen her through that early stage, really. And socializing for, for little kids as well. My daughter was just turned five, so she just started school when it when it yeah. all kicked off and then had 18 months or so of protracted sort of trying to learn from home and everything. So it's a very difficult time, wasn't it? I felt quite lucky that I not happened when I was a child. Yeah, yeah. I, I think both Steph and I are relatively outgoing personalities. So she'll she'll pick up elements of that um anyway. But mm. just that developmental stage, you just you do wonder what what you know what what behaviors are they picking up mm. which are maybe behaviors that when we were were growing up were just you know second to none to us really mixing socializing etc mm. there's always this one story when things started to open up a little bit more mm. uh, and she started to go to music classes and it was just when there was sort of all of the covid restrictions were in place yeah um and Elsie must have been about 18 months at this point in time and they're in this music class and they, they to, to keep the social distance in at 18 months old they had to kind of keep them in hula hoop like rings you know oh wow kind of yeah. Around, yeah 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 and and, and just, i remember steph telling me the story that you know elsie went to go and crawl over <laughs> to the child next to her and she's like, no 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 she's got to stay in a hoop she's got to stay. Wow. she's trying to explain to an 18 month old that she's kind of she's got to stay there and she can't mingle um but you know it, it, that those times are kind of mm. behind us now and um 
uh, you know, hopefully she's 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 good. She kind of went to nursery really early, so you know, hopefully all the socialising stuff is 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 going well for her. Well, good for you, and it's incredible that you both handled that well, you and Steph, but also that you've built this epic business at, at the same time because <laughs> that must have been surreal as well because a lot of people weren't working but then a lot of online businesses rocketed including muscle squad tell us about the the story there that the background and, and how it developed because I, I understand in some of the notes i received that you went from seven thousand pounds in the bank to turning over yeah. millions of pounds in a, in a very short space of time amazing story uh, yeah i mean it's a it's it is a story of circumstance to a certain extent but it's also a story of discipline mm. um in in how you kind of drive that level of business and and the, the proudest thing that I kind of look back on now is well th this business was started prior to COVID but yeah. COVID was definitely the catalyst which kind of accelerated its growth um but the thing that I kind of look back on is is there are now businesses that did start up in COVID that are now no longer a competitor mm. uh, and have disappeared and, and, and that's where the discipline piece comes into play really so you know, going back I worked in a sort of a blue chip retail environment so I, um uh, sourcing fitness equipment and, and and products like that I, I i spent roughly four to six weeks of the year in in china sourcing products creating brands um and i just got to this point where in in life being so i was a buyer yeah working in product so work, were you working for big gyms were you at the time or no no no, no. Uh, high high um high street retail stores okay uh a relatively big one in the fitness industry um, I did a couple of projects there where I worked on brands for Davina McCall that ran through there and, and, and men's health and, and a few other bits and pieces as well. Um, so I, I knew that I could take a brand, build a brand and put it onto product and make it look good. Mm. And I just hit this point where when I, when I was growing up, so you know, I left school at 16, I only did my GCSEs, but I, I kind of always focused on work being a continuation of education for me. Yeah. So... I always kept learning and, and, and just, you know, for 10 years while I was there, I basically I, I hit a ceiling where I was like, I don't know how much more, or how much further I can take this and how much do I want to be in the corporate world versus how much do I want to kind of keep my own identity and keep true to myself. Yeah. And how much so, did you want to stop traveling as well when you think having a family, maybe going to China six uh, weeks a, a year or? Yeah. 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 I think the traveling piece is really important, but I yeah. just feel like it's just, it's so, um, I had so many different products that I was looking after within the sector that I did. And, and fitness was my real true passion, I suppose you could say. Mm. Um, so I hit this point where it felt as if my learning had stagnated and I didn't know what more I could do or how, like how further I could push myself in that environment or how much I wanted to push myself in that environment. And, and I just, one day I just went, I've, I've had enough. I, I, it's mm. time to go. Wow. Um, that's brave. That's brave to sit a bit because everyone everyone has those days, don't they, where they kind of then There's, suck it up and yeah. go back to it. But then it happens again. You, you feel that kind of frustration down the line. Yeah. And I don't think at the time I had anything lined up. I had, I had nothing lined up. It was just something went and just went, it's time to go. Mm. And that that's the second scariest thing I've ever done. I'll tell you the, the first <laughs> scariest thing I've ever done in, in, in a second. Yeah. Um, I was I was then lucky enough to kind of work in... Uh, from a strategy company in London uh, and kind of broke free of our, like the, the company I was at and worked with a strategy company. Um, and that's where Muscle Squad started to develop. Yeah. Started to, you know, 
registered the company, started to work on the design, started to work on the brand guidelines, started to work on kind of how I wanted it to be. And this is back in middle of 2017, I suppose you could say. Okay. Um, and then it gets to the point where I, I yeah, I had, I had about £7,000, which had expired from a share save. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is the first, like the, you know, the, the, the scariest thing I've ever done is, so I've got the brand guidelines, I've got the style in, I've got roughly a vision in my head of how I want the website to look. Yep. Now I have to put my money on the line and back <laughs> my own decision. And when I was working for that retailer, um, a, a big retailer, I'd, I'd have a sales budget of roughly 200 million pounds. I would write, I would write orders for 150, 200, $250,000 <laughs> every single day almost. Um, but then when it comes to spending the 7,000 pounds, of my own money on my own entity, I suppose you could say, mm. that that was that was quite hard. You, you, you know, you're really backing yourself then. How much or how important is that a step to make, I think, for everyone? Because it's interesting because I started the podcast on my phone and I'm trying to get better equipment and get actually a, a good microphone. It's just broken, so I've got to get another microphone, more laptops. And it sounds bad, but when something isn't necessarily making money or or isn't kind of your focal point this is a sideline for you you sort of think oh no i'll save that money or i'll spend it on a holiday or, or do x y and z how important is that do you feel is it is it it's obviously a physical thing that you're investing in but it's psychologically for you is it a, a point of no return when you when you commit a significant amount of money i i think i was lucky when i was growing up that someone once told me no business ever really makes a profit for the first 18 months to two years so yeah. in my in my head yeah. that that piece of advice is always stuck there always always stuck there so I, I just kind of knew that I just kind of kept had to to keep going and for the for the first 18 months of the squad it didn't really do much at all I I, mm. I remember you know there's a there's, there's a picture of me sat with the first container all the boxes are branded up everything looks great um I'm really happy I turn on the website and nothing happens <laughs> like there's just this there's this expectation when you're yeah. an entrepreneur that you just do it and also you know coming from the the retail background that i had the industry background that i had but no customer could care less about that well no one who doesn't know me yeah, yeah exactly i didn't know the website was there that's the problem no, that, because the modern world there's this ability to publish on the internet and potentially connect with millions of people but there's also millions of websites millions of places for people to look yeah exactly and and you know i spend a lot of time talking about the journey of muscle squad in schools and it's it's mainly about the different behaviors and sort of the resilience and the determination and that's one of those light bulb moments where you just kind of flick a switch and and, and nothing happens um, there's some easier go to marketplaces. So eBay and Amazon, we saw quick attraction there, uh, which then kind of allowed us to keep building uh, the, the, the Muscle Squad direct story. Because ultimately, in, in what we want is we want we want those customers to be sat on our databases. We want to be able to talk mm. to them about new products. We want to be able to talk to them about their progression. We want to be able to tell them more about sort of the Muscle Squad and the Muscle Squad story. Yes. But when when we when we attract a customer on eBay or Amazon, that's not quite the case. We're not allowed to talk to them. They're Amazon's customer. They're eBay's customer. They're not. They're not as you know. Sure. There's no direct relationship or communication there. So you know, we knew we had to take action, and we knew we had to do different things. And it was it was it was relatively easy-ish. Mm. So for the first 18 months of Muscle Squad, um, I was working for, like I said, this strategy company in London. We would spend a lot of time, I was advising people on, on the, the commercials of businesses that were being purchased. 
Uh, and you're talking businesses which were three or four million pound pet food companies all the way through to um, like rather large gym fitness clothing brand that you know recently was was bought and sold okay uh, we were on the losing side of that one but I think the key thing here is during that whole journey I was able to get exposure to some really senior people in a lot of different businesses and I could pick and choose little different aspects that I liked so you know when we talk about remarketing to customers how we get customers onto the database how we talk to them how we communicate to them how we talk about our brand journey and our brand story and and that was kind of that was key so you know the business is doing nothing really in the 18 months but it's having all of these little modules kind of added onto it um and and we had a few lucky breaks so you know before covid we had um again with my reputation in the industry with muscle squad acting as my portfolio uh we had uh, a large retailer um a sports direct came along and they asked us to help make some of their branded stuff for them um, that helped liquidate the business a little bit more. We took that money, we invested it, we expanded our Muscle Squad product range. Yeah. Um, but only only ever so small. You know, the, well, the original. Where did you start with the product range? Because the seven thousand pounds. What were you invest? Was it was it, it weights? Yeah, it was weights. It was yeah. cement filled pieces of plastic, which is in the industry is known as a vinyl dumbbell or vinyl plate. <laughs> everybody everybody would have had one at one point in their life. Either yeah, yeah. Fitness one or. Or something, but in you know, the nineties, as, as a teenager, I remember having them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's everyone's sort of rite of passage to have a set of cement-filled plastic dumbbells. <laughs> so we we did we did kettlebells and we did dumbbells, and they were only small. They were kind of was a, a two, four, six set of um, of dumbbells and a three, five, eight set of kettlebells and a gym ball. Mm. And the, the the mission of the business at the time was just to be able to tell people that they don't need much. But if you use this eight kilo kettlebell in the right way, yeah, you can you can start to see a difference. So it was more designed as sort of endurance strength workouts for everyday people. You weren't sort of trying to tap into the because the, the, the name Muscle Squad almost evokes like kind of big bros in the in the gym hulking hundreds of kilograms around. And, and I think again, you know, when we were coming up with the brand and when we were talking about the brand journey and the brand story. It was at this time, just before the sort of the, the, the empowerment of females in the gym. Mm. So, you know, you, at the time, you wouldn't see many females in the weight section of the gym and, and this empowerment come along. And, and the tone of voice that we wanted to take was, if you want to look better and be stronger, you're going to have to build muscle. You know, the, the days of talking about toning had kind of disappeared and, and, and toning is is technically a banned word in our business but unfortunately <laughs> due to sort of google algorithms has to be present yes but, <laughs> yeah oh, well, for, people, for people to find the website it has to be there, for yeah. people yeah, so many people still search for toning but what yeah. we believe in is about building muscle and mm. in the early stages you know i had a very limited budget there's only so far i could stretch that and buying that initial starting product was was what it was all about and how important for women that's an interesting point isn't it how important has that been because i suppose men had the sort of Schwarzenegger what was it late 70s that kind of was a catalyst for weight training his his fame and then and different role models people like the rock today and it's a different type of muscle building than necessarily you're talking about but how important is it for women to, to do strength training for their for their physical health their, their bone health and longevity as well isn't it because you you realize you know that the people when they get older actually just having the strength to lift yourself up if you fall over is, is pretty huge yeah uh, exactly that and and uh, you know just 
having that level of resistance and building sort of the resilience within your muscles is 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 key and essential. Um, you know, I'm not a qualified personal trainer. Steph is. Uh, she's also, you know, heavily into her hit type workouts, mm. uh, into moving and swinging things. Like we've got two very different types of, of workouts between the two of us. So, she, you know, she'll be doing 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off on the treadmill. She won't stop for 45 minutes solid. <laughs> Well, I'm sitting here doing a set of a bench press and then waiting around for sort of one or two minutes until I've got the recovery to kind of go again. So, um, you know, she she's empowering all of her friends to come into sort of, you know, the studio that we've got here, uh, trying to get them into sort of lifting weights. And some of them just haven't haven't done anything. Mm. And I think you've got this this younger generation uh, who's now kind of super, super comfortable in the gym. And then you've got the you know, you've got other generations who are just kind of, you know, they're, they're starting to get into it. They're starting to understand the importance of it. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and confess that we have the right, like me and Steph have the right plans, but, you know, we can't stress the importance of sort of eating right, mm. walking regularly and resistance training. And that's kind of like, you know, they're, they're the three things that we, that we try our hardest to do. Um, and, you know, we, we, you know, when we talk to our friends, it's the sort of the plan that we kind of share with them. I play football once or twice a week. That's going to get some cardio in there. I, you know, I tend to be doing sort of 10 to 12,000 steps a day. Yeah. Um, and we tend to roughly know what we're eating. Yeah. Um, and maybe do you, do, do you find football a, double, football a double-edged sword? Because I did my meniscus in my knee last year, turned 40, and it was like, oh, man. And then it's like, <sighs> you know, you go back and you pull a groin or something. So and it, it ruins your training. So it's that, it's that difficult balance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm just coming through a similar sort of thing. So I've just recovered from a groin strain, uh, yeah. overstretching in a, in a tackle. Mm. Um, and I, and I, pl- I tried to carry on playing with it for about two or three months. And I used to play three times a week. Yeah. And that had to go down to once a week because by the time I got home after sort of driving back from playing with the lads, um, by the time I got into the shower, I physically had to lift my leg over the step in the shower <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get into it to then shower. And then the next day I was limping and it just got to the point where I was just like, you know, I'm 36 now. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I booked in with a physio and said, look, we're going to have to do something about this because I think I've got about four more good years that I'm going to enjoy it. Mm. Uh, like really enjoy it and, and and really go for it um and i, I want to make sure i enjoy those so i you know had to take that like you know take a step back and it was three or four months of recovery mm. before um before i could kind of you know play again in in any sort of like competitive nature yeah no it's it's tricky isn't it because i think there is that sense of like why are you playing because you might injure yourself for other things but also it's that mental clarity you get when you go for an hour and play five aside or whatever is it's well, big i think yeah, and I have this conversation with some of my friends quite a lot who regularly play football. We've got a group of about 38 in a WhatsApp group, but mm. you know we're always struggling to get 10 to 12 people to confirm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's like for you, but... I think modern, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, modern technology has made it worse, hasn't it? Because people can like opt out the last minute and it used to be you had to kind of commit and, and, and be there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, but for me personally, the first thing that goes in the diary every single week is that hour of football. Uh, on a a Wednesday night Um, just because you know how much I enjoy that football but then also just how much I um, am seeing the lads week in week out yeah it's an excuse to socialize isn't it yeah which I think sometimes us men aren't always great at yeah Uh, I love it I love it but the um, 
the story going back to the working from home theme, which obviously exploded naturally in, in COVID, before that, did you notice a trend? And for women in resistance training, you say that if you see them in a public gym, not often do they, they gravitate to the weight, the weight benches, the racks. Is that something that you felt would empower women to be able to do it at home, have a kettlebell or a couple of dumbbells? Um, we want to just be the catalyst to get them moving. Mm. That, that's, that's it. And whether they, you know, ultimately, you know, our views is that they have entrusted us you know, to, to, you know, we could be that user's first point of contact with using a gym or using an item from a, from a, you know, a piece of resistance training, et cetera. And if we, what we kind of want to do from there is just start them on their journey. Like our philosophy is about helping, you know, being the first port of call in helping a user improve themselves or better them, you know, you know, make, make those small steps to sort of, to be a better person in the future. Yeah. Um, and fitness training isn't a quick, easy thing that you can just kind of click your fingers and, and it doesn't magically happen. It's a journey and it's a story. Um, and I think that's what, that's what we kind of do we're, we're the user's first step and if we can kind of then share content with them which empowers them to do training at home or to do training in the gym that's that's our mission complete like for financially speaking yeah we'd love people to have a, a garage like this yeah at the same time you know we we have the satisfaction that a customer could spend 30 or 40 quid with us and as long as you know if they are using that piece of equipment for um you know three to four months and and we never see them or hear from them again but we 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 believe that they've kind of gone on to 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 do what they wanted to do that's our mission complete as well and how important is it for people for your prospective uh, customers having that empathy because i suppose the two things you mentioned the time home workouts facilitate your time more you know haven't got the commute to the gym the shower etc but then i suppose it's space as well is it is it balancing that for prospective customers thinking about have they got room for a home gym or do they just need a, a dumbbell? So you, you've got a wide range of prospective customers, I suppose, with lots of different amounts of time and lots of different amounts of space. Yeah, like roughly sort of uh, a, a rough day from a sort of revenue perspective is two or three customers who want to replicate something like this. Mm. And then 50 or 60 customers who just who just want some kettlebells, a slam ball, um, some dumbbells or bits and pieces like that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, no. and, and but, sorry, and, and yeah, for, the, for the customers who want the, the bigger space, in in a lot of the thinking, like we have a we have this philosophy of sort of phases within the within the business. So we've got phase one through to four. So for eight, this is phase four, and it's a, a commercial grade um, piece of gym equipment. Uh, it's made out of like seventy five mil uh, steel, three mil thick. The item there, without the plates on, is is about five hundred and fifty kilos in weight. Whoa. It's very durable. It's going to sort of, it'll be there longer than we will. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a solid piece of kit. But then phase one and, and two, they focus heavily on um, functionality and also form. So, you know, we have treadmills that fold away to a small platform. We have a squat rack, which kind of all fall, folds into itself. Um, the space that we've got in here is just a little bit wider than your normal single garage and yeah. just as deep as a, as a garage. <laughs> I'm sorry. And um, one of the things is, you know, people will still need their garage space for some storage. Um, but one of the things that when you have a squat rack in is sometimes you have to sacrifice space to be able to do flies or yeah. to be able to do deadlifts or floor floor work. Yeah. What a lot of our folding racks do is they just, they solve that or it's things which fit into corners. 
so that you can have you know a squat rack in a corner and you can you know lift off of there and it and it frees up the space either side of it for storage for dumbbells and kettlebells and slam bells but still keeping that floor space that's awesome and did, are these bespoke designed by you and then you work with a manufacturer to to bring them to to reality yeah, a lot of the stuff is designed in 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 the UK. Um, a lot of the stuff, though, there's only so many ways you can kind of recut mm. a design or, or or something along those sort of lines. Um, we actually sort of took a step quite early on to partner up with uh, a couple of our businesses in a couple of different areas to sort of pull ideas and then feed that development into the factory. Because, you know, the way that we turn over is, is relatively small. We can't mm. do our own bespoke. So... Through the connections I had in in my my sourcing time, we worked with um, a business that that works in Korea, who's roughly the same sort of size as we are. Yeah, and we feed ideas into each other. Oh, cool! And then we can we've got then between the two of us, we've got the mass to be able to get to the factory to say, look, here's the ideas and here's the concepts. Um, can you kind of now now will you listen to us and create the products and you know, theirs goes off to them and theirs comes to us and the brand, you know, the, the, you know, the branding changes, but we don't compete with each other. Mm. You know, we, we don't have the ambition to go and sell into Korea and they don't have the ambition to sell into the UK. We're both sort of local market experts and that kind of eases some of the product development pressures. Then you've got other ideas and concepts which are entirely UK born. So uh, between myself and uh, our brand manager, Carl, who's mm. in a lot of our social media content, uh, and that's where the phase three thing kind of comes in. And phase three is one of our sort of unique identifying products, which is basically it's just it's a it's a plethora of steel uprights and cross beams and cable attachments. And it's it's Meccano for a gym nut. Ultimately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it, what, what's the biggest seller that you have there? For, do you think? Um, uh, it's our phase two. And I think that always comes back to the fact that so our phase two rack, which folds away, it's called the mm. phase two freestanding folding rack. It's currently out of stock, um, but, you know, because we just we struggle to keep them in stock to the size of them. Um, uh, but I think that always harnesses back to sort of our home gym, UK sort of like garage gym roots. Yeah. Ultimately, that product is the, the like I said, it's the folding one. It just it's a power rack you can lift in it you can drop things in it and it's going to be there and 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 it's going to be secure for you that item weighs about 180 kilos so not quite as much as as this one here but it it, you feel safe in it if that makes sense you Mm. you know it's going to be there for you when you need it if you need it um but you're going to be able to lift from it and it's going to be strong and 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 a good product i love it and where do people start do you think you who are trying to get into training from from your experience, it, particularly say a female who hasn't lifted, is kettlebells are, are very popular, aren't they? Is that a good place to start? Ironically, kettlebells are not one of our most popular items. Really? No, um, we do sell a lot of them. Hmm. Um, and and like again, coming back to the original ethos of the business, you can you can transform your body with a kettlebell. With the mm-hmm. with the right knowledge, the right guidance, the right experience, you can you can do great things to your physique with a kettlebell. Um, the problem is, is that our customers don't know the three hundred exercises that they can do with a kettlebell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> if, if, a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. There's 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 an awful lot. So, um, and, and we and you know we want to try and share that knowledge as best as we possibly can. But I think 
you just we don't see past the versatility of a hex dumbbell. Mm. So the, the you know the dumbbells which are just behind me here, yeah, they're great for pressing, moving about. They don't roll. You can do your renegade rows. You can do use them as sort of platforms to for for for, uh, for press ups, etc. Um, you know, swinging them about, etc. All of that sort of stuff. So I think from a volume perspective, hex dumbbells are are, are the key things for being thing for us. Just going through the, the acceleration of of the company, 2017 you started, and then obviously the, the pandemic in the spring of 2020 ignited things. Had you noticed in 2017 a, a trend towards home workouts, or did you feel that would be a burgeoning area, or was it just something that you were passionate about that, that that's why Muscle Squad started? I, I think it was something I was passionate about mm. more so than anything. Like, you know, I did do uh, like a, a relatively in-depth research phase. So, you know, I interviewed about 500 different candidates, et cetera. And, and basically I've, I figured out that, you know, fitness people or you know, people who train were split into sort of three groups, people who kind of didn't really train, but in their head, they just did their active stuff, the walking the dog, the taking the, um, the kids, et cetera. Yeah. And that was what they deemed as their fitness routine. Then you had the um, the users who had a home gym as such, and you know had physical equipment that they lifted up and down and moved around, etc. And then the last third were people who went to the gym. So you know your your um, you yeah just just anyone me actually in the mm. in the old days. Um, so ultimately, you know, I, I, and with all the experience that I did have from my retail days, I knew there was a market there. Um, and I just wanted to have fun really again, like, I, you know, I wanted to enjoy doing something and I wanted to kind of control my own destiny. I think when I was growing up through my big retail days, I, I was very aware of the fact that, you know, while I was working for that big retail business, mm. the number one competitor, for example, for, for Dyson was no longer sort of another retail competitor. It was Dyson themselves. Yes. Competitor for Apple was Apple themselves. And I, I could see this trend developing i just knew that i had to i wanted to go and build a direct consumer brand that i was i was always in control of the destiny of of of, of you know sourcing supplying and sending the product designing it, everything i wanted to do it all yeah and that's so you do you actually draw things out do you yourself personally about the, the equipment <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't, yeah i can't i can't draw but no you know i, I give it if, a shot if, if yeah if carl watches this bit back he's gonna have a laugh like ev everything <laughs> so you know there's there's examples like of of how we design products and i'm just like oh carl just just take this bit of drawing that i've done here and, and yeah. kind of make it into something that someone will understand because I, I know you know how I think. <laughs> um, or there's examples when we're talking about sort of, you know, a storyboard for, for doing a video. And, and this is one example where I was like, okay, so I want to kind of like have this little like flashy start and I've got two bits of paper and I'm going like, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> and then it goes into this and it goes into that. And I'm like, yeah, just just translate that, Carl, into something yeah. that you know, someone can understand. No, I'm familiar um, with that. Yeah, my wife's yeah. a graphic designer, so yeah, when she, when I try and draw anything for her, she just cracks up laughing. So it's a yeah, it's a different I, I thing. Like, yeah, I can't draw a round circle or a straight line. So, um, <laughs> but just lots of little strokes make it look way more artistic. That's what I've yeah. kind of yeah. That's what I've kind of learned. So the, the interesting thing is as well because most home fitness i think has revolved around cardio equipment hasn't it i know you said you do treadmills but we specifically the name obviously denotes that but muscle squad this is about 
resistance trading it felt like yeah. that wasn't maybe as big a thing five or six years ago and that is growing in conjunction with your business growing yeah yeah i totally agree and, and when it comes to cardio equipment treadmills is the only thing that we do we don't do any form of sort of exercise bikes or rowers um bits and pieces like that now i you know i could easily go and source them but then sometimes i just feel that the the product offering for the home use customer for that type of product it is very hard to kind of recreate the feeling that you'd get in the gym. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and even with our treadmills, for example, our, our cheapest treadmill is about 550, 600 pounds. Yeah. Uh, our main workhorse is 750 pounds and our most premium treadmill is 1500 pounds. Okay. Um, so we don't go for that bottom end. We want to make sure that when a customer gets onto a product, there's this sense of feeling of this is strong. It's going to support yeah. me. It's going to be there for me. And I, and I think trying to, you know, in a digital world, getting that value proposition across is sometimes quite hard to do. You know, mm. I'm sat next to our, our biggest treadmill here and it's a Bayamoff. It weighs like 168 kilos. <laughs> it's just, you know, it gives you that feeling of being on a commercial treadmill in a home use environment. Yes. Um, and even our smallest treadmill, that sort of the 550, 600 pound range, that, that weighs about 70 kilos. And that's the one which folds away. You can hold mm -hmm. it behind a door. You can store it. So it fits that phase one philosophy. But at the same time, it doesn't sacrifice the the, the, the brand values for high quality products. Uh, and I think that, again, is really important to have the discipline because I could easily just go and buy treadmills and, and sell them at three, four hundred pounds. But we'd then be suffering with the returns issues mm -hmm. with them. Customers sort of regret buying them. They might only weigh 30 or 40 pounds. And when you're running on them, they don't feel that space to run on. They're sort of wobbling about. Um, and that's not the feeling that we want our customers to have. Uh, yeah. And then sort of going on to the second part with resistance equipment, it's all super premium. It's all great quality stuff. Just from the moment you receive the, 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 the item in the packaging, you know, it's, you know, it's solid. So, you know, there's a couple of little bits and pieces that we do. We sort of, we double carton our dumbbells so that, you're not just getting a dumbbell turn up with the delivery driver saying, oh, he, <laughs> no, it's falling out of the box. It's going to yeah, get that's to a good you point. One, yeah, yeah, it's going to get to you in one piece. Fli flimsy damp cardboard and it will fall apart. Yeah, that would be uh, great. And, and then once, uh, if, if that happens, the customer's on the back foot already. They're looking, mm. for, they're looking for imperfections. They're looking for scratches. They're looking for marks. This is the way that we kind of want to do it. It, it's, it's, it's solid. It gets there in one piece. You, you've already, you trust us. We've, we've won you at the door. So, absolutely. There's that inf that emphasis on the muscle work, the the resistance training, the dumbbells, the kettlebells, the the racks, everything else. Is that reflect your your ethos? Because I think you alluded to it earlier, didn't you, about resistance training being paramount, and and actually for cardio, walking for the average person could be almost almost sufficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I I I sit here like. You know, resi resistance training for me is where I want to spend my time in the gym. That's how I want to spend my 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 hour of of, of training in the day. Um, the the walking side of things, just going outside, getting the fresh air, and taking those steps in, yeah, um, is, is is super important. And you know, those of you that kind of you know have smart watches or have um, uh, Fitbits, etc., just see what's happening to your heart rate while you're doing that walk-in because it will be in a range that you just, you wouldn't think it would be. And all that's doing is just working your heart and, mm. you know, which is one of the most important muscles that you kind of, everyone has to look after. Um, and, 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 you know, on a, on a treadmill, you can replicate that to a certain extent 
on a on a treadmill instead of gunning it at 18 kilometers an hour and trying to keep up with the treadmill just try try walking at sort of six kilometers an hour on a 15 degree incline and it's going to be far more effective than uh than sort of like consistently running if, if you're not if you're not a naturally yeah. good runner yeah that's interesting i like i like i like that what how did you build a, a digital business in this this age because i know the covid everyone had to stay at home so obviously working out at home became a thing but you had to be in the place presumably by that spring of 2020 what what did you do so that people could find you when they were looking so it comes back to sort of the values and the the, the mission of the business which ultimately is, is to help people mm. um and i've never really kind of financial like I, I, ne- I never really kind of wanted to push the financial things too hard at the expense of growth in the early stages so um what we did what the ultimate the, the best marketing decision that we ever did and it would cost you probably about three four hundred thousand pounds to sort of replicate this now is when covid came along and everyone was dramatically increasing the prices of fitness equipment we didn't ah. we didn't yeah, we, we held our prices exactly as as long and as hard as we could. We held our prices. There was then some factors further. So you know, when COVID was in the scarcity of supply, uh, sorry, when fitness equipment was in scarcity of supply during the, the initial stages of COVID, people were profiteering. Yeah, hundred percent they were profiteering uh, and trying to make as much money as possible. We we didn't. We held our prices. We basically said before COVID, our margin rates and our profit margins were fine. They, we didn't have an issue with them. Yeah. Okay. Did they stay the same after COVID or were people charging you more for the other end of the chain? There was, there's a couple of bits and pieces that, you know, we, eventually we had to increase prices and uh, I'll come on to some of those sort of factors. Um, but in the initial stage, like when the lockdowns occurred, I, you know, my personal philosophy was our margins were fine the day before, they're fine tomorrow as well. So yeah. I'd like, why, why, why do I want to do anything more? And we had one person that bought some, like, basically we were on page 40 of Google at this point in time. <laughs> we didn't spend anything on sort of paid advertising, Facebook advertising, Google advertising, et cetera. We were on page 40. And basically wow. everyone had exhausted the first 39 pages of Google trying to find fitness equipment. Really? And then they finally, they finally stumble across our website. That's just, it was literally the fact that you were just such a better option than, than everyone else financially. Yeah, yeah. And, and then basically, so someone bought from us. And then they would go and tell their gym that they bought from us. And then they would tell their friends and they would tell their friends. And organically, it just blew up. So word of mouth remains paramount, does it, in the, in the modern world? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's where kind of we, you know, we, we try to kind of nurture word of mouth nowadays. But back then, at that point in time, basically people were just turning around saying, within their communities, these are the good guys. Mm. these guys are are trying to do their best to keep keep supply moving etc now when um when when we did have stock obviously you know with this influx of demand we just got wiped out in a day and i kind of remember like looking at the graph and it's kind of going like that and then sort of next nothing so we reinvested the money we kind of bought more stock etc um but we would started to grow this email list of people that saying, well, when next time you get some stock, can you, can you, can you, can we buy from you, et cetera? So I remember then we would have a container of, of, of product on the way. We'd send an email out saying, right, our next shipment is due in 
three weeks time it's on the water we only ever ship you know we only ever took pre-orders of stuff for the stock that we had on the water and was on its way here because of supply chain issues that were you know were incurring at source within six minutes that entire container would be gone <laughs> amazing in six minutes we'd send an email out and say right what was that what was that what like. was that like did it just feel like you suddenly plugged into the, <laughs> the, the sort of electric grid or whatever that was <laughs> yeah 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 it, exactly like that i i you know again i remember um we couldn't be in the house we'd have to be out we'd have to be going for a walk or somewhere um and we'd schedule the email to be sent at say sort of 11 o'clock um stephanie and elsie would go for a walk just around the the you know the local parks um and we just sat there you know or stood there <laughs> looking at the shopify screen uh which is sort of the back end system and just seeing all of this traffic come on seeing yeah. sort of you know 150 you know it would just be there's six people on the website there's email go out there's 150 people there's 200 people there's 300 people there's 400 people on the website there's uh, 120 active carts there's 90 people actively checking out at the moment uh, and then sort of like then just the orders just come in bing 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 as they <laughs> kind of like that as that was released and, and and that was that was what happened and we would make a good enough margin we would mm. take that money we would reinvest it we'd buy more stock and we would sort of continue continue that journey every time what we did is we took we took 75% of the product, the 75% of the profit, which is basically what it cost to restock the item that had been taken. And then the 25%, I'm, I'm simplifying this way yeah, yeah. beyond levels, no, sure. you know, but, but, but we'd take 25% of the profit and we'd reinvest yeah. that into new products every time. Wow. What about living? What about living? What were you living on and things like that? Did, was it for living costs and everything? Still doing the, I was still doing the consulting work at the time. Okay. Didn't, I didn't actually take any form of salary out of the business until about, 2021 wow great so you're so you're having to do the the bit on the side just to sort of facilitate the daily mortgage etc bills yeah but muscle squad was my side hustle i was turning at at one of the peaks i still was you know muscle squad was still my side hustle and was doing 350 thousand pounds a month while i was still holding down sort of a three day a week uh (laughs) strategy job which although it was three days a week was an intense three days a, a week yeah, yeah. Uh, working in London. I, and then all of a sudden, it just got too much. It got too much. And- um, well, Is that wild uh, though, to think all that money flooding through your accounts and you're not actually doing anything with it, you're just putting it back into the business. Did, was that, did it feel instinctive or did you have to talk it, it about was that together? Yeah. It was instinctive, a hundred percent instinctive because I knew that we, if, if say for example, you know, we only sold these products here and these products here, the, the plates, was you know and we only had kind of one or two different types of plates in the range we only had these hex dumbbells i knew that that wouldn't last mm. they were the hot in demand products and if we didn't expand the range into this and into the treadmill and into other items the other side of covid we wouldn't have a business no no we, that's we, interesting we so, would be the ones folding so is it that sort of relentless capitalism growth is that how you look at it or will you reach a level that you, you're content with or do you think it has to keep growing what's the take on on that so obviously you know those those times are, are gone i suppose you could say and i keep sort of saying what that you know we, we need to reposition into our new normal mm. um and I, and I think we're kind of there now so it's it's taken you know during during 2022 there wasn't any there wasn't any lockdowns or anything like that no um and you know the, the demand was good at the start of the year. Then it kind of really slowly 
uh, plateaued and declined. And then we've kind of had to regrow and rebuild from there. And now I can kind of consistently, it's now it's a proper business. Yeah. We have money that we spend on staff. We have money that we spend on um, uh, marketing budgets. We have money that we spend on various different consultants who advise us. Uh, and we have a revenue line, which is relatively predictable now. So, you know, we, we, we've got, a, a, you know, we have more forecasts. We can, we can measure more accurately year on year. I can see the trends. Uh, I can see where the growth is, where the weaknesses are, what we need to improve, what levers we need to push and pull in order to drive the growth. Um, but ultimately, I think we're at that level now where where we've got a nice plateau. We still need to do more brand exposure mm -hmm. uh, because you know so many people kind of stumble across our website and go, "Wow, I didn't know you guys existed." Um, and you know that's that's what we're working on. Yeah. But I, I think we're at that level now where this is this is nice. It's fun. It's enjoyable. We've got a great team. Morale's super high. Everyone's having fun. Um, and and we just now need to nurture that really and make sure it sustains. But that's brilliant. The brand, the branding stuff's fascinating. I think a lot of people feel they have to do that up top and do social media advertising and all that kind of stuff. And what you're saying though, for people starting any project that really is it, is it getting one customer, two customers and just doing a good job? That seems to be the kernel of, of where Muscle Squad began and, and how it accelerated, why it was in a position to accelerate. Yeah, like I, I everyone just kind of, I never wanted to be, well, the reason I picked this industry is that there wasn't really a, a direct to consumer business in the space. There's a few, but there, there wasn't many. And a lot of those businesses believe that once they've handed that product over to the customer, that's their job done. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's various different parts of the funnel, you know, I'm very much trained in sort of the way of thinking of, you know, we have to build awareness. We have to be there at the coal face when the customer's making that decision. We have to have a website which is good and convert. But the fourth thing, which a lot of people forget about, is love them afterwards. Mm. Yeah, stay in touch. Stay in touch, exactly. Um, be there for them when you need them. You know, they've made a decision to buy a product from you and we've got to be there. We've got to be there for them at all times. And they might go up, you know, something like a kettlebell. They might progress in their training and want another one and think, actually, Muscle Squad have been good. This is, you know, they've kept in touch, which it might do anyway, but it probably reinforces that that connection with the brand. Yeah. And, you know, we are doing things to try and push that further. So I have been for the last nine months or so building an app. Yeah. Which is a sort of a fitness training app. So firstly, it kind of replaces the notepad. So when everyone's pulling <laughs> down and yeah. this and they're, they're flicking through that notepad, it's just there to do that. But the second piece is to try and build that community identity. Mm -hmm. So for example, in the app, um, there could be sort of three or four of us in, in a squad. And this is, you know, this is actually some of the theory from when I initially set up the business and the brand name, et cetera. And it comes back to that community piece, uh, building that squad. So for example, the three or four of us, that would be in a squad. We could have, you know, we could have multiple connections within within the app that we've got, but we care mainly about the three or four of us that are in our in our small condensed little squad. You yeah. could see when I train, I could see when you train, I could see what muscle groups you've been working, haven't been working out. <laughs> I say, come on, Teddy, you skip leg day again. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get that done today. Um, alternatively, though, like we could have one super freak friend who's training out, and we just want to follow him. We yeah. just want to like, we, we want to do his plan all the time. So if he trains at six o'clock in the morning, like you could just go into the app and you could say, right, pour in Ben's 
work out from today and it just tells you what to do and you just plug in your numbers and away you go yeah um and and, and this is you know what we're what we're what we're trying to build and, and again it kind of emphasizes that that training and from a business point of view though we can mm. start to see what equipment customers and users have got so yeah. it might come to a point where it'd be right we can see you're repping 25 kilo hex dumbbells for sort of 16 reps but you never go to 27 and a half do you need a pair here's an offer uh, yeah yeah so it's very clever. There's, there's multiple angles but ultimately like with within the world that i've built myself it's mainly about physical products and, mm. and sending this product to the us or sending it to to, to germany or france is a very difficult thing to do mm. but having a digital proposition and a digital blueprint firstly it opens up and and it can it can move through um it, it can make sort of borders much easier than than this can yeah but at the same time it opens up who says you need a home gym all of a sudden you know actual gym users can be using this product and, and connecting and, and and staying in touch with their with their friends um, on on the app and there'll be other little bits and pieces you know it's a safe space for example to upload a video of your pb yeah that you did, rather than just kind of having a community on instagram where 10 percent of the people are going you know what fair play that's a good effort but 90 percent of the people are going it's yes training video that they've uploaded yeah a bit, a bit of judgment yeah that's interesting like like-minded people plugging into that that into intercontinental electronic superhighways is yeah. is 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 big i just wondered like we'll wrap up to take a lot of your time and you're a very busy man but the the connection between training and maybe it's football maybe it's weightlifting and business because the reason i started this podcast was speaking to people from athletic backgrounds not necessarily but who are elite but different levels some obviously very elite whether they can take aspects of training of sport into everyday life, what it's given them in terms of character attributes. Is there, is there things that, that you've learned through training, maybe resilience or through football, I don't know, that, that's helped you in the business? Um, if not, I it's fine. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I could pin it down to anything, but I think the behavioral stuff that you kind of mentioned is the most important thing. It's looking at what does in, what, you know, what inside of you does create that that those behaviors of resilience of determination etc and they could be through sort of various different channels but you know like personally my my own view would be you know i, I left school at 16 yeah i moved out of home when i was 16 as well i had to fight or flight ultimately at that mm. at that point in my life and i kind of and, and from then I've, that's always been then part of my behavior whatever it is and i think i've taken that into business i've taken that into football i've taken that into training if that bar's coming down onto my chest it's going back up again mm. yeah sometimes it, does. sometimes it doesn't yeah. but in my head <laughs> when it's coming back down it's going back maybe ne next time it might do as well yeah that's the thing yeah. Yeah. consistency weight training is interesting in that sense isn't it that you know that if you consistently go and lift a certain weight you will get the body's brilliantly adaptive that you will change i suppose there's is there parallels with the consistency needed in, in business like Muscle Squad, where you have to keep doing things before the success comes, and then and then once the success starts to start, you then continue doing it? I, I never did this for money. I, I never set this up for money. I set it up firstly for for my for my own mental health and sort sort of my own kind of I, I needed to I needed to do something, and I think going from that heavy trading background that i had the buying and selling and the feeling that you get when you buy and sell something is a drug yeah I missed it and i needed to do it so you know i had to set this up 
And it was always just there. It was always kind of there. It was well thought out. It was well, you know, when I sat down with my accountants, I was like, I, I don't really know how to financially plan a business, but here's here's something I've done. Mm. And they were like, whoa, you know, and 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 because it was just it was just a hobby. I just, you know, I would go on YouTube and look at videos how to write a PL. I would go on um you know, I'd go on Google and find templates and bits and pieces that I could be using. Yeah. And I would just, I would just build it. I would just build all of these <laughs> stacks of bits and pieces. And, and and while I was doing the strategy work, I was, like I said, I was taking all of these modules and putting them in and it, and it, and it just worked. And, and, but if I was doing it for money, I would have stopped this, this business was probably costing somewhere in the region of about 250 to 500 pounds a month for the yeah. first 18 months or so. Yeah, and it's, it's significant, isn't it, when you've got like those direct debits for software, whatever it is going out. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, and, and, you know, I, I bootlegged as much as I could. Um, I, you know, I, I, I used outsourcing websites to do things as, as cheap as possible. I would try and do things myself. And the initial website was pretty much all built by myself. I just locked myself in a room for 48 hours and just got it done. Really? Yeah. Go, go daddy or something you use not that I'm trying it to was go, it. so go daddy go daddy yeah. bought the domain and then shopify i built the website but um it was just kind of re like resizing images coming up with the colors i'm not going to sit here and say i was coding bits and pieces it's all very much drag and drop plug and play yeah but it still creates challenges and you have to kind of overcome those challenges because there's no one that's going to help you no, and that's at not the, that stage. That's not the thing that you naturally enjoy is is building websites. But how important was the context? Is that is that a lesson of the story of Muscle Squad that if you are going to start a side hustle, it has to be one that that will drive itself in a sense. You have a passion for it. You have a passion for resistance training and, and fitness and, and bringing that to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the sort of the the other piece of advice in the early stages is you just can't rely on you know friends and family being an acquisition for customers. Yeah, especially within something like this, where it can only go so far, mm. uh, you know, heavy physical products. How many people within my friends and family are going to want to be a user that's going <laughs> to be able to? Grand's got dumbbells stacked <laughs> up no, to the exactly. ceiling in a spare room. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just, just out of pity purchases. But, um, you know, that that was, you know, a very quick sort of a very quick learning lesson for me. And, and again, you know, as the business grew, you kind of like, you know, people who would take a they would peer in. And they're interested to look in when things are kind of slower and mm. and bits and pieces, but then they 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 do kind of disappear when it kind of sort of started to develop into a larger multi, you know, you know, as it kind of went across the UK and grew substantially, there isn't as many eyes peering in anymore, and you know, you you do notice sort of like likes on posts disappearing and bits and pieces like that as as we but we we don't kind of need it really anymore. We are, you know, I've. We are a we're we're a business. We have our acquisition model. We have our channels, which are doing all of that acquisition for us now, mm. um, and it, and it's a good place to be. Good for you. And I think actually, just my thought would be is that I've actually got a gym membership, but I've still got a kettlebell here. I've still got an exercise bike. There's things that that I think there's a there's a market there for people who do both potentially who haven't got two hours, so they'll do a home workout, and maybe when they do, they'll go to the gym and. Possibly you can go to a sauna at the gym as well, whatever it might be. So I, I can see a, a bright future, a complementary future. Yeah, I, I was listening to some of the podcasts that you were doing recently and they're talking about sort of the, the behavioral things which people need to do in order to get back into training. Mm. Um, and, you know, time is an excuse. It is easy to make time as an excuse, but like even if you were just to find 10, 15 minutes 
I think I was listening to someone just sort of saying just body yeah. weight squats, do a hundred of them. Yeah. Um, That's Ross Mitchell probably. Yeah. 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 It was Ross. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that, that then kind of eliminates that sense of excuse. But again, in that environment, you have got some equipment at home. You could go to the gym, you could go to the gym membership, but time starting to disappear. Mm. Just do that 15, 20 minutes at home, supplement it. Like, and that, and that's sometimes what we kind of, you know, where we sort of say to some of our customers who have got gym memberships and say, oh, I do want some weights. What weight do I buy? And we kind of say to them, well, buy the lighter ones. Do, <coughs> do the higher rep or lower weight stuff. Don't yeah. invest too much, but allow yourself to give, you know, do your shoulders. You only yes. need seven, like six, seven kilos <laughs> in order to develop shoulders. Yeah, do, you, do your and deadlift at the gym or whatever it might be. Do yeah, your deadlift matters, at the yeah. gym. Do your bench yeah. press at the gym, but do your biceps, your triceps, your, your shoulders, um, your abs. You can do that from home and you're going to find that time. Yeah, and I think parents of young children are going to be big as well because there's three nights a week I'm working at you know my day job at Sky Sports. My wife can't go out, but she could do stuff potentially at home when my daughter's in bed. So there's 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 lots of different variations, I think. In and and as as a as a dad, like you know, when I work until sort of half five, six o'clock, and I've got a thirty five minute commute home. Yeah. If I'm driving back, I've got the I've got the decision to make. Do I get back and catch the last bit of bath time and say goodnight to yeah, yeah. Elsie or do I go to the gym and Elsie wins every day yeah you pick, pick your regrets isn't it but if you can do yeah. both that's the, that's the thing yeah you can if you do it at home brilliant F- final thought Chris for for young men because there are the, look at the demographics there's quite a few young men who listen to the podcast your advice about what to do at 16 to 18 that that bracket when you when you're setting out on your path because it was a brave decision to not go a traditional route at 16 but clearly it's it's worked out really well for you not that we should discourage everyone from doing further education, but what, what's your take on that? Just be bold enough to, to recognize yourself and what works for you because it's university is expensive and things, isn't it now? Yeah. I, I you know, I didn't go to further, like any form of further education because just of the circumstances that, and, and, and I ended up working in a local garden center, but I, it was a job which gave me enough exposure to sort of see what other opportunities are out there. And, I, and the, you know, I do spend a lot of time, given a talk in schools which talks about the behaviors etc and I'm, I'm one of the things that you know i heavily press is just that when you kind of in the school education system you're you're you don't realize how big the world is out there you yeah. don't really you, you you go to school and you're basically told that like the world is this really slick oiled machine and everyone's <laughs> super intelligent and if you don't meet those criteria then you're gonna you're not gonna succeed uh when the truth of the matter is it's just any business is loads of people running a hundred miles an hour in hamster wheels trying to keep their head above water. Yeah. And I yeah. think the quicker you identify that and the quicker you identify what personal skills beyond, you know, it's about being intelligent and being clever. Intelligence is sometimes true. You can teach someone to be clever. Um, you know, and, and my problem solving and adaptability and resilience, et cetera, they're all of the key skills, which kind of, which I identified were, were useful in any form of business environment. I would never say no to anything. I would always try and learn and like learn, like, you know, find yourself in something which is something either you want to do or something you might have an interest in. Yeah. But also is a job that's not siloed. So, mm-hmm. you know, find, I was always blessed to have great managers from when I worked at that little local garden center to when I was working in, 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 the, the larger commercial retail environment 
I had great managers who would give me opportunities when I asked for them uh, and would, you know, would sit down and give me the time to teach me different aspects and, and allow me to explore and, and but ultimately sort of still stay true to myself. I, yeah. I didn't have the personality to fit in to a large corporate commercial world, but I did have a skill set that those retailers found very useful and would want to exploit. And I enjoyed doing them. It was a win-win for both people. Yeah, that's powerful, actually, because you've talked about it throughout and actually learning we equate with being in an educational institution, but doesn't need to be, particularly now. I think there's a lot of negativity, understandably, sometimes around the Internet and the influences of social media in particular and, and the time that we can waste there. But actually, there's a huge resource that wasn't there when we were young kids that you can you can build a business in, but you can learn how to build a website that you've done. You can take business courses, whatever they might be from from home. It is a it's a more varied world now in terms of, of learning opportunities, I think. You know, we, we, we employ people based on their adaptability. Ultimately, I look for some of those key skills, but also those, I look for people who are willing to sort of, you know, to people that said, look, I am not going to bother you this morning. I want you to sit on YouTube and I want you to learn how to do this skill, mm. uh, whether it be sort of like our email programming or whether it be sort of, you know, basic level design and picture resizing or whether it be, you know, one we've just employed a guy recently who's um, trained through college as an animator. Yeah, but now we need him to use a different, you know, some, some computer-aided design uh, product. So I said, look, I'm not going to bother you, but <laughs> in your, in you know, when you're checking in on customer service or in the warehouse, etc., when you're not doing any of those tasks, I want you to spend sixty percent of your time learning on how to do that. And if you need any help, you need any further courses you need anything you tell me brilliant but this is what i kind of want you to do go and do it yeah so everyone's everyone's developing that's 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 powerful i love it and um it's it's interesting where where that leads as well i think once you get that momentum up and you start getting the kind of wheels moving yeah exactly and and, you know i do you know churn of of staff is is always going to be a problem in a small business like us but i just i kind of say to them that just if, if, if you think you're going to leave or you, you might want to leave, just let me know in advance. Like there's no hard feelings. No. There's only so much, there's only so far I can kind of push, develop you and give you exposure to, to various different aspects. Um, but if you feel like your learning has stopped or you feel like financially you can get a better offer elsewhere, then I want to, you know, that if you give me the time, it just allow me to find a, a replacement and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to feel bad. Um, I was young and hungry once as well. So <laughs> Well, you still are, but that sounds a bit. Yeah. And you, you and Steph, you ever tempted to sort of become a, a YouTube sort of phenomenon in terms of, you know, the CEOs who go on there and do the kind of uh, videos and uh, encouraging I, business yeah. stuff or fitness stuff? I would, I would love to. I would love to. But I think it's just one of those things, which is just having to start again uh, and, and build that audience. And I, I, just, I feel like I've got a really strong, powerful message to share. Mm. Yeah. And I, I feel like it would just be you know, it would be repetitive as kind of new audiences come in to make sure that it stays up to date. I I watch a lot of YouTube stuff. And and if you kind of go back to what the original message was that they were trying to do three or four years ago. Yeah. Some people may never see that content from that, from that user. Um, But I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot to share. Uh, It's just finding the time and finding the platform and finding the audience uh, that would want to listen. And, and, and at the moment, though, I, I, I feed that itch by doing the, the school. Yeah. Work yeah. At, at the moment. 
but I know that there's there's a there's a lot more I could do within that space. Well, I think your you, your kind of determination focus is would definitely reward you there because, like you say, it's it, there's a lot of people out there who potential audience, but you have to be consistent to find them. And I think you've got that because you've worked away in the dark for a long time building something like Muscle Squad, and I think it's that that daily repetition, which again is is like fitness that that that, that bears dividends because we never see what people are doing away from the the big successes and the bottom yeah. lines and things like that. The problem is, is, is there's the, the, the entrepreneur <laughs> yeah. movement at the moment. And it's how to kind of cut through that message with like, I just want to share. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to monetize. No, I just want to influence and share. So, you know, trust me that this is going to be a safe space where I'm not going to try and sell you a, a package <laughs> at the other end of it. So. In, two, in two weeks, you can have a six pack and three million dollars yeah. if, you, if you follow my <laughs> yeah. program, my routine for everyday life. It's like, okay, yeah. So you get up at 5 a.m. and you meditate for half an hour, and then two weeks later, you're a millionaire. So, like, oh, great. <sighs> yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired most of the time. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I'm, I've, I've, I've got less hair than when I started this journey. I'm tired, but I, you know, I'm happy. So, um, yeah, and I don't get up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. every single morning. Uh, hey, when you've got kids, you just get sleep where you can. That's the, that's just get the sleep when you can, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, I love it. Chris Billigan, what, where should we go? Musclesquad.com, is that the website? Musclesquad.com is the website, yeah. 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 And find out more about, it's more about you on there, isn't it? As well, if people want to read up. Is it, there's a little bit about us, but the, you know, the, the, the best thing that people can do is just um, sign up to subscribe to our emails and see the content that we share, et cetera. Like we have a, a relatively strict policy that sort of, the emails are content first, sell in second. Um, yeah. So there'll be useful hacks, tips, um, you know, maybe a, the odd workout that people might not know that they, they, they could do. Obviously, it's quite hard to cater for everybody because everyone's got different styles of training, et cetera. Um, but yeah, the, the, the most useful thing that, you know, someone could do, even if they didn't want to buy a home gym, would be just to kind of start interacting with us and start listening to what we've got to say. Love it. And I think it's clever. And I think people are more propelled to, to buy from you than they would other people if they if you've given them something with a sense of gratitude and, and the relationship there, which is which is always big if you if you're offering them valuable insight. Chris Billingham, thank you for coming on Sport and Lightning podcast and, and hope to speak to you soon. I'll keep an eye on, on the business as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Fair play, inspiring character, Chris Billingham to take that decision to walk away from a successful corporate career, to start his own thing, obviously uh, fortuitous in a sense at lockdown. But I find that intriguing that he made that principal decision not to raise his prices in lockdown and was paid dividends despite being some way down on the Google search engine, which is where people find things most times in this era we live in. Thank you to him. Check out Muscle Squad online as well if you're thinking of uh, – having a home workout gym or just having complementary equipment to going to the gym if you're a parent like me or perhaps different schedules and don't always want to spend that time going to the gym as Chris doesn't himself. So I appreciate his time. Please, if you enjoyed the podcast, let someone know about it. Inspiring on the business side, isn't it? And the fitness side as well. You can uh, just tell them or share it on social media. It'd be fantastic. Write a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham, and Serene AV. Remember, Cytoplan, if you're looking to optimize your immunity, if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing. The code at checkout of the Cytoplan website is Draper10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals 1-0.
zero and the capital letter R. If you're looking at those herring shoes as well, like their styles, whether it's the fantastic classic brogues, uh, the loafers or whatever, something else that you may be looking for, particularly uh, the Red Wing boots, got a fantastic pair from via the herring website and it still counts a 10% discount with the code TED10, T-E-D, all capital letters and the numerals one zero. Remember Attic Box Audio and those ideas of, of recording loved ones' memories of life stories. You may be intrigued by that. You can look it up at atticboxaudio.co.uk or via drapermedia.co.uk, our hub where I write some blogs as well based on a lot of the conversations that we have on the podcast. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a great week and speak to you again for soon. Goodbye. For-